you don't know me, my name's David, part of the team here. And um, the newcomer's tea today is at my house. So if you're a newcomer, you think, oh, I'll maybe... Mm, he looks like a nice man. I'll come and go to his house for tea. Um, <laughs> no, it would be great, great to see you. Half past four. And do check in with us at the Contact uh, uh, Connect corner at the end if you feel like you've not had an invite, but you want to feel really welcome. So we're in a series at the moment as we preach through um, the book of Acts, thinking a little bit about... Um, the, the title of this same Jesus, the, the, the same Jesus that walked planet Earth and then was killed and then rose from the dead and then ascended to his father is still the same Jesus who's working today in his church. And one of the things that, that Jesus did when he walked this planet and spent time with people is he, he spoke and taught. And we, we know about a Jesus who teaches us, who, who speaks words of, of life and truth. Jesus who speaks. And... Um, one of the titles for Jesus, actually, is the Word of God, that he, he is the communication of God to us. And it's wonderful that we have a God who loves to communicate with us, a, a God who is a God of revelation. And yet he's also the invisible, mysterious God whose ways are higher than our ways. So it's hard for us to hear from God, and yet we know that we need to hear from God, we want to hear from God, and God wants to speak to us. So how is it going to happen? And it happened primarily through Jesus who comes and, and, and in his life and in his teaching and in his, um, in his actions reveals the Father heart of God to us. And what we know about Jesus we find in this book. And this is a, a record of, uh, of, of God's work and word throughout centuries actually. And throughout the ages people who were inspired by the Spirit recorded, or their words were recorded, their thoughts, their reflections, the prophetic, their, their stories were recorded. And the church together over the centuries, the people of God discerned what was important for us to hold on to. And so this is just a fantastic reference point for us for God speaking to us. So um, God speaks to us through his word. But when we look at the book of Acts and think, well, how does God speak? And how does this same Jesus keep speaking today? It's obvious it wasn't just word, actually. It was also not just scripture. It was in other ways. And um, there's a famous story. It's a story of a man called Saul, who later became better known as Paul, who was, um, went on to become one of the apostles. But in his early days, he was a, a persecutor of the church. He's a bit of a fanatical Jew, a strict Jew. And he thought that these Christians were blasphemous. And so he, he was involved in persecuting them. And on the way to the city of Damascus, um, he had an encounter with Jesus. And um, if you um, are familiar with the story, you'll remember that he saw a light and heard a voice. This is reading from Acts chapter 9. He went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. Amazing. Here's somebody who hears the audible voice of Jesus, Jesus speaking, the same Jesus that spoke to the disciples, speaking now to somebody who may never have met him in, in the flesh. Would you like to hear the voice of God speak to you really clearly? Have, have a, have a, have a uh, you know, unmistakable encounter with Jesus like that. Put your hands up if you would. Great. And I guess you've got to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> because actually what, what Jesus was saying to Paul, and we can read this, is I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
And, you know, the Bible records exceptional encounters with God. This was not an everyday, this is how God speaks in the regular. This is how God speaks in the exceptional. And, and Scripture records very often exceptional times when God speaks because there's so much at stake. So much in terms of suffering. So much that's in terms of, of, of pivot moments in history. And as we look back at our lives, we may find that God has spoken to us in particular clear ways as some of those costly or pivot moments in our life but God also speaks to us in the more mundane in the everyday you know but um one of the things that um it's certainly true is that God wants to speak to us and so when we look at the book of Acts and we think how does God speak it can be quite tantalizing you know I I, I don't know if, if you can relate to this but when I was a new Christian I sometimes doubted whether I really was a proper Christian because I didn't hear God speak to me in the way that other people seemed to do you remember as a new Christian people say God said this to me or the Lord spoke to me this morning and you're thinking oh gosh I've never heard the audible voice of God am I really a believer did, did you ever have that experience you can't because when people say God spoke to me we want to say well, well how did God speak to you and for me, I have those kind of questions when I look at the book of Acts. I kind of think there's a story in Acts 14. Paul is preaching and he, it says that he saw there was a man in the crowd who was lame from birth. And he, Paul saw he had faith to be healed. So he tells him to stand up. And I think, well, Paul, how did you see he had faith to be healed? I would like to know the answer to that question. And um, there's other times in Paul's journey as well. It says that, you know, the Spirit would not allow Paul to preach in this place. What's going on? How did, how did that happen? But sometimes we do get glimpses of how God spoke to people like Paul. And, um, and, and one time um, it records, for instance, Paul having a dream. In fact, why, why do we go there? Let's go to that very place. Um, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they'd come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Again, those questions, what do you mean? How did that happen? So, passing by mystery, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in a night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And what unfolds from there is, this is the first missionary journey into Europe. Paul goes across to uh, the city of Philippi and he has an encounter with a lady called Lydia. She comes to faith with a, a group of other people. And, and there's so many adventures that Paul has in that place, in, including driving an evil spirit out of a fortune-telling girl and being thrown into prison and, and, and in the night having been beaten and in the stocks, an earthquake coming and all their chains falling off. It's very gripping, exciting stuff, the book of Acts. I recommend you reading it if you haven't. But clearly, God spoke, and it was a pivot moment. It was the gospel going into Europe, unlocking all kinds of extraordinary things. Sometimes God still speaks to people in dreams. In the book of Acts, um, on the day of Pentecost, Peter announces a new age. In the Old Testament dynamic, we find that God does speak to people. It's with the few. It's with the prophets. You know, and in the new age that Peter announces on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus is risen, everything is changed. And, and Peter quotes from uh, an Old Testament prophet, the prophet Joel, and he says, because in, in those days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. 
Your young men will dream dreams. Your, your old men will see visions. On many of us and many of us. He goes on and says, this is for everyone. And that was the theme of our talk last Sunday. Everyone gets to play. The Holy Spirit is here for everyone. Everybody gets to hear from God. And it could be in all sorts of ways. And some of those ways are extraordinary. So um, last Monday, a young man came to stay at my house. And um, the reason he came was because of a, of a dream from God. So I've asked his permission to tell the story. But... Um, he, he's um, graduated from Bristol Uni and was, did um, a, a sort of economics kind of finance-based degree and um, got a job in Bristol working in finance. Then went into the finance industry in London and had started a, a great job in Canary Wharf. And um, three days into the job, he had a dream. And in the dream, God said to him, there is a, a cor- corruption and, and illegal activity in this firm. I want you to leave it. So when he woke up, he thought, oh, <laughs> that's a strange dream. Kind of like... Kind of slightly dismissed it, really. Um, but then when he went to work the next day, he had two senior colleagues discussing a strategy for, for mis-selling a product. Um, you know, um, and, and so he gave in his notice and left. And then um, a little bit later that summer, he was um, on, on another... He was actually on a plane trip to, um, with his sister going to, to Romania. And um, I just fell asleep and felt God say to him, I'm calling you to ministry. So that's why he's come back to Bristol, uh, wanting to spend a year with our church and discern a pathway. But, you know, God still speaks to us in dreams and visions, in all kinds of ways. But again, those are often those rather exceptional pivot moments. God's going to be speaking to us all the time if we've got ears to listen. But he'll speak to us through Scripture. But very often when, when we ask God to speak to us, we can be, um, it could be, some of the things we really want to, to hear God from are times when we're so invested in the outcome of the prayer that it's quite hard to hear from God. I don't know if you've ever found this true, but the time when you most need to hear from God, it's hardest to hear from God. And the reason I'm saying that is because we're trying to discern the voice of God from all the other voices that go on inside our heads. And lots of us have got stuff that's going on in there, and we're trying to discern what is the voice of God in all this. And the voice of God isn't normally the light from heaven and a voice, because it wasn't just Paul that heard that voice. Other people heard it too. You know, they, they couldn't discern it, but they, they knew something was going on. But normally speaking, it's a much more subtle voice. When God spoke to Samuel, the young prophet, um, back there in, um, in the book of Samuel, here's this young guy, and, and he hears a voice, Samuel, Samuel. It's such a familiar voice that he thinks it must be his mentor, Eli. He goes, wakes Eli and says, did you speak to me? No, I didn't. In the end, they decide, oh, it must be God. It's this insistent but very familiar voice. And sometimes the voice of God is familiar. It's like the voice in our head, but not quite the same. It's like my mind and imagination, my conscience, but it's not quite the same. But discerning the two can be tricky. One of the people who, who I looked to as a mentor in prophetic ministry des- described something called a word of knowledge, which is under that prophetic mantle. He said it's like a, a whisper in your ear followed by a doubt. <laughs> you know, it's really subtle, really subtle. How do we hear from God? It's subtle, isn't it? And we have these competing voices. And the trouble is that sometimes when we most need to hear from God because we are anxious or afraid or in love... <laughs> That's the hardest time to hear the voice of God because we're so invested. So when we're in love, the voice of being in love sounds like the voice of God. C.S. Lewis in his book on the four loves said, the voice of Eros 
sounds very similar to the voice of agape because they call out similar things. They call out commitment and dedication and love, and, but it's not the same. Sometimes when we're um, stirred up, emotionally invested, our emotions are so noisy, it either sounds like God or it's hard to hear from God because we are so invested. Sometimes when we're afraid, we need to hear from God. I often talk about the three Asians, location, vocation, relation. We often want to hear from God, where should I be? What should I do and who should I be with? And we look for guidance on those things. It can be hard to get guidance on those things. Hard because either we're so invested in the process or because God's given us choice. You know, it's really interesting in terms of discerning the voice of God. In, in the, there are times when God clearly guides you because there's so much at stake. In, in the Old Testament, there's a marriage that has um, got a lot of guidance around it. When Isaac needs a wife, the servant is led very specifically to a particular girl called Rebecca. And, and there's all sorts of signs in that. And sometimes we think, God, you've got to guide me like that for who to marry. It needs to be that clear. But that was founding the nation of Israel. That was the dynasty. The main and plain guidance for most of us is in 1 Corinthians, where Paul says, if the person you're in a relationship with is getting on in years, well, maybe you should marry them. Or you know, if you're burning with passion, well, maybe you should think about getting married. It's very pragmatic stuff. It's not like the kind of big signs of the sky. It's much more awed and pragmatic. And so I guess we, we, we have this tension, don't we, in Scripture? Sometimes God speaks in exceptional ways, and sometimes God speaks in the ordinary, and discerning what, what's what. And so when we're trying to hear from the voice of God, it can be really helpful when our emotions are high, when we're anxious, when we really want something so badly that we don't want to hear anything else but go for it. <laughs> it's really helpful to have the counsel of people and the guidance of Scripture. What God says is not going to conflict with the clarity of Scripture. If you've fallen in love and you think, this person is my destiny, I should really be with them forever, but you happen to be married, that was probably going to be, <laughs> there's a verse in the Bible that says, do not commit adultery. It's probably going to be, that probably isn't the voice of God, that's the voice of your, whatever it is. Um, you know, that's a, it's a bit of a crass example, but that's the way, way things work. But we, we have the Bible to help us have a touchstone. And, and sometimes when the, what we see in, in the early church, in the book of Acts, is they look for guidance, they look for God speaking. How are they going to discern that? They're going to find the wisdom of Scripture and the counsel of others complementing those experiential elements. And, and I talk quite often about Acts chapter 15, which is where the, the people of God had to make a big decision about a pivot moment in the life of the church, which was whether or not we incorporate the Gentiles in the church just as they are. Or do we, they have to require them to obey the Jewish law? And part of what they do is they try and discern what's God saying to us is they listen to stories, they listen to testimonies. But they also listen to Scripture. And again, in Acts 15 there, um, the, the, the James, who's a leader of the church in Jerusalem, stands up and says, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. What's God saying? Well, we've got some stories here. There's a testimony. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, as it is written, After this, I'll return. I'll rebuild the tent of David that's fallen. I'll rebuild its ruins. I'll restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. 
And James is quoting there from the book of Amos. And there's a resonance with the word and what the Spirit is doing. And I love, that's one of my principles of what's God doing, is to look for that principle of resonance. And, and does what I'm saying resonate with the heart of God as I read it in Scripture? And, and again, in the book of Acts, we see that principle of resonance at work. Towards the end of the book of Acts, Paul is on a journey to Jerusalem. And um, on his way there, we can read this in Acts 21, um, a prophet encounters um, Paul and, and speaks a word, a prophetic word. And he actually takes Paul's linen belt, wraps it around his hands and says, in the same way, the owner of this belt will be bound and handed over to the Gentiles when he goes to Jerusalem. It's a prophetic word. It's a very direct word. God is speaking. And uh, you might think, well, well, Paul should turn around and go away, not go to Jerusalem. But actually, Paul, in the previous chapter, has told the, the, the leaders of the Ephesian church, as I go towards Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit is warning me of what I'm going to face there. So it wasn't a surprise to Paul when Agabus shares this word. Rather, it's a resonance, it's a confirmation of what he's, ever, what, what's, what he's already sensed. So why did God speak through Agabus? And I believe that the reason God spoke through Agabus is because Paul was not just an individual trying to discern the voice of God, but also a key representative of the church. And it was really important that the early church knew that what Paul was going to experience was not out of the sovereignty of God was not an accident. It wasn't something that was just a mistake. It wasn't something that disqualified all that we'd done. It was actually a message for the wider, for the audience. Agabus didn't speak to Paul privately. He spoke publicly to a whole group of people for that early church so they could have confidence that when their founding apostle is in prison and facing death, God is still in control. And that's often how the word of God comes to us because we need encouragement and strength and comfort, which is precisely how Paul himself, writing to the Corinthian church, says, this is what prophecy is for, is to encourage and strengthen and comfort us. And obviously, particularly when we go through difficulties and trials, we need the prophetic word. So I just want to say to you, if, if you want to hear a voice from God, if you like, we want, you want to hear the word of God, and you are struggling, and life is challenging, and you think it's hard for me to hear from God, we actually have a tool in this church. It's called our prophetic clinics. And on the second Sunday of the month, you can sign up for the prophetic clinic. It happens at five o'clock in the crypt here. And there's a group of people who've been trained who have dedicated themselves to saying, we're happy to listen to God for you. And if you register for a prophetic clinic, then you may want to um, show up and have about 10 minutes with a little group of people, they'll spend time listening, sharing what they said, and they will not lay it on you. They will be looking for resonance. They may get it wrong, but they may well actually be just a, a great um, tool for you to help you discern the voice of God. One of my friends um, went to the prophetic clinic, and she was contemplating working for the International Red Cross. And so... Um, it's a big decision. It meant leaving this country and working abroad. So she went and showed up at the, at the clinic. And they didn't know her story. But the first thing someone said to her is, I see a picture of a Red Cross. So that got her attention straight away. And she did go abroad and work for the International Red Cross. So maybe take that. Um, think, think about it. Think every, every, every second Sunday, that's a little hidden treasure that goes on in Woodies that you can sign up for. But of course, God does want to, to, to speak to you too, directly 
to your own heart, mind, through Scripture, through people. How does it happen? I'll just give you a little personal story. Um, as I said, you know, vocation, location, relation. What should I do? Where should I go? Who should I be with? And I do believe that very often we have real freedom around those things because they're all temporary. We get a lot of guidance from God in Scripture about what kind of spouse to be, but not so much guidance about who to marry. We get a lot of guidance in Scripture in the New Testament from what kind of worker to be, but not so much guidance about what to do. When Paul is guiding people, he says, well, actually, you know, if you can get a better job, if you can stop being a slave, become a free person, go for it. But if, if you can't, then, you know, be the best servant that you can be. Don't just work when your master's eyes on you. Don't get, into, don't get punished for being lazy or thieving. You know, be the best kind of worker. And, and for a master as well, be the best kind of master you can be. So there's guidance about how to be rather than what to do. There's a few jobs that are off record, like being a slave trader, you know, but, the, uh, you know, but on the whole, there's a lot of freedom when it comes. But every now and then, God does guide us and, and shape us around those decisions. And um, I know that for me, there was a time in my life where I was looking for, for guidance about what to do next. I'd been working in, a, in another church in the city, and it was clear that um, it was time for me to move on. My, my, my place in that church was probably becoming less of a help than it had been. And um, also, for me, I had a, a desire to work with a less privileged group of people than the people I was working with. And started a journey of exploration. I was on holiday with Tina. We were um, staying down in Exmoor with uh, our two small children and praying about what to do next. And I prayed, God, what should I be doing? And, and uh, I was reading scripture and a verse jumped out at me. And it was, it was a verse from Isaiah. I'll show you something you haven't seen before. And I'm not saying that we should always use the Bible like that, but from time to time, it's as if something comes alive to us, almost out of context, really, uh, and, but just touches. And, and we can read the Bible academically and contextually, but also we can read the Bible and God as, as a place where we find that dynamic, now revelation. So I just took that verse to heart and prayed, Lord God, will you show me something I haven't seen before? I got back to Bristol the next day, and in the post was a, a job advertisement to manage the new Bristol Methodist Centre that was in the inner city of Bristol. A job I'd never heard about. Didn't know, I didn't know why I got the mailing, really, but there it was. So I thought, well, is this it, God? Is this the thing I haven't seen? So I applied for the job and went for the interview and was offered the job. The challenge was I really didn't want to do the job. When I actually got there, I thought, this is dreadful. <laughs> Oh, I really don't want to work in this place. But um, uh, the, the next day, you know, the, the person who interviewed me, because I said, no, I don't want to do it, phoned me up and said, look, we really think you should be doing this. Will you reconsider? And I was having my morning devotions, and I had on my breakfast table a Bible that I'd collected from church. Actually, it wasn't my own Bible. Um, by the way, anything lost, left behind in church, any lost property is legally mine. You need to know that. <laughs> so that's my attitude. Anyway, so, and I just... Open the Bible, it fell open at that exact verse. I'll show you something you haven't seen before. And for me, it, there was some resonance there. There was kind of like, well, God, I'm going to take the, the, the risk of faith that this is you speaking to me. And, uh, and I accepted the job. And that became a pivot moment in my life. It was an extraordinarily fruitful three years of ministry where I learned a lot and where the ministry itself flourished. And during that time, where we were doing this kind of shopfront project, church project, Rob Scott Cook said to me, will you bring you and your family and start worshipping with us up at Highgrove? And that started me of a journey of working with Rob. And everything else in my, in, in my adult life has flowed from that moment, which if I hadn't done that, I think 
life would be very, very different. It's a pivot moment. Now, how does God speak to us? There are so many ways. You know, God speaks to us through his word, through the written, revealed word, but also through that, that dynamic where, where in, in our devotional life as well, God could speak to us. God speaks to us in our conscience. When Paul's writing in Romans, he says, you know, that, that even, the, even, the, even the Gentiles, God speaks to them. Even the, the people who, who are not believers, God speaks to them, sometimes challenging, sometimes affirming them. And God does speak to us in our conscience. Very often I find that God speaks to me most clearly when he says, no, stop it, that's naughty. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? That's clear. That's a very, you know what, one thing that I've discovered, if I ignore that word from God, it's not easy to hear God from anything else. I think sometimes if we are not listening to the word of God, particularly that word of discipline, correction, that can happen in our conscience or in our spirit, then maybe we're not going to hear very much because God will keep saying, remember what I told you? Stop it. <laughs> remember what I told you? Stop it. And we have to stop it and then we can start to hear a bit more fluently again. Um, but I think also God speaks to us through this whole thing that we call the prophetic. And it seems to me, and I'm running out of time, so I have to come into land, that the gift of prophecy is the hallmark of the New Testament dynamic of a spirit-filled believer. That's what that's how the prophet Joel describes it in the sermon that Peter quotes, the prophetic. And that's a big umbrella where there are lots of ways in which God speaks. Um, oh gosh, I probably really can't press into this. But just to say that within, within the prophetic, we, we believe as a church that, that that gift of ministry is a helpful and vital one for us today. And that we, we need the prophetic guidance alongside the wisdom of counsel and the wisdom of Scripture. And so in that council in Jerusalem, they've had the testimony, they've had the, the, the guidance from Scripture, they've had the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge that comes through the, in their debate. And at the end of the debate, they could say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to do this. They've found that guidance. And we want, as part of our diet of discernment, using our heads, using our counsel, taking wisdom, but also listening to the voice of the Spirit. One of the ways in which we, we, we practice um, the prophetic here is we, we do like to listen out for words of knowledge. That's under that prophetic umbrella. Now, my colleague Tim, who's sitting there near the door, often has words of knowledge for healing. And um, he you might say, you know, well, how do you get words of knowledge? And, and if, if, if Tim was giving this talk, he might describe the way that sometimes, the way that God speaks to him is, Sometimes allowing him for a, for a moment to feel the symptoms of something that's not his own illness. And, um, and that's because sometimes all of our senses are involved in listening to God. And what happens in our bodies is quite easy to identify. And, um, I know that uh, a story, this is one of Tim's stories, but I'll tell it to you because I've got the microphone and he hasn't. Um, about when, when he just felt this kind of one Sunday, oh, there's, got a, there's a tooth thing. It's this, and then, oh, what, what molar is it? And it's speaking out, maybe there's someone here with a dental problem in this molar. And the guy who responded was a church leader from another church who was sitting here. Um, and um, he'd had a tooth problem in that molar and came up for prayer. And his dentist was in the building at the time. So it was very, very precise. But I've, I've had that experience. I, I was saying at our 915 service, the most clear experience I had was once when I was just kind of... Um, felt in my collarbone this pain and I knew it wasn't me and I just spoke it out at the end of a service and a guy who was a visitor to our church came forward for prayer and he'd, um, 
was training, trained to be a vicar at Trinity College, but he'd broken his collarbone in a squash match, and um, it was quite a bad break, so bad they were going to have to operate on it, which they don't normally do, apparently. But he came for prayer, and, and he, the prayer ministry team prayed for him, and he felt his shoulder change, but it was sort of hot and damp. And he came out the next Sunday and told us his story. He said he went for his x-ray, and... Uh, they couldn't find a trace of a break. They said, we've x-rayed the wrong shoulder. There's no, no, no evidence there. And um, he'd been completely healed. Now, that, for me, that's gobsmacking, really. But it's kind of, sometimes God gives a word, a prophetic word, that we can hang our faith on. But, you know, for me, I doubted whether after some years, I thought, was I really making that up? Did that really happen? Because it's so out there. And sometimes we have an experience of God that we, is out there. And at the passage of time, we look back, am I, am I exaggerating that to myself? But I had the privilege just about four years ago of going up to London for a little roundtable conference um, at a church in Woodford Wells. And it's about 30 church leaders there. And the guy who met me said, when I was in Bristol, I came to your church, I had that mad healing. It was the bloke. He'd gone on to become a vicar, church planter. He's on the board of Spring Harvest. And he, he reminded me of the miracle that happened to him. And again, my faith was strengthened and encouraged by that. So I just want to encourage you really, as we tell some stories, that, that God does want to speak to us in all kinds of ways. He speaks to us today. So as we come into land and finish our service, we're going to take a chance to pray. But let's just take a bit of listening time. And maybe as we listen, God will speak to you too. Maybe, maybe he'll speak to you through what I've said. Maybe he'll speak to you and say, you remember that word, stop it? Well, that, I was serious. <laughs> but um, let's, let's have a listen. Father God, we want to still and quiet in our spirit like a weaned child within us. We want to be people who can distinguish your voice, your subtle voice, from the voices of our own ambition or our own anxiety. We want to be people, Lord God, who can speak your word to others without imposing things on them, but with that gentle and encouraging, affirming word that comes from the God who knows us and loves us. Today, Lord God, speak to us. In the stillness, speak to us.